The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Hitting the go live button. Hold on, give me one second. Let me go check on my puppy. Okay, go check on puppy. To, I'm gonna announce the show. That's fine. Announce the show. I'll be right back. It. Okay. Um, you can bring her. He can't hear me. We can um, talk about how 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 uh, uh, Rick Grinnell called me no, creepy. No, on. no, don't ever. No, we're not gonna do that. that name. No. And we're live. It is Monday, <laughs> October 11th. We've been live for a minute, so everyone got. Oh, are you sure? We can't talk yeah. about creepiness. Uh, no, stop it. <laughs> On mo- it is Monday, October 11th, 2021. It is 5:01 p.m. Reginald Genius Dwayne Betts is checking on his not so genius puppy, but very cute. Like very quite cute. Like h- highly recommend you follow him on Twitter to see more about his puppy. Um you will remember Dwayne from being on the show multiple times in the past. Most recently, Where is the Lie? which was an exceptional episode. It may be the greatest episode of It was a great. It was truly a great episode. And um and now he is a MacArthur Genius Award winner, like cuz that's like a thing that happens to people so, that we know, like I guess. <laughs> and I think he's the second MacArthur Award grantee to be on in Third. Lord of Fun. Third. Third. Yeah. We got we got uh Danielle. Danielle. Annette Gordon Reed. And Ah, Annette Gordon Reed, right, right. So we've got I, that's not even like I think that there might be others in there. <laughs> like I So that that shows that there's a cause and effect relationship here. You come on in lieu of fun and, and you get a MacArthur Award. No, that's only one person that has gotten it after coming on a little fun. Oh, okay. All right. No, no, that's... I'm not. I'm not talking about the sequence. There are three people who have come on in lieu of fun and gotten MacArthur Awards. Um. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the. Where's the lie? Uh. Anyways, we're not allowed to have fun anymore. We're not allowed to have our genius that we. Um, uh, that we've booked for today. Well, we are, but like, in a well, second, he'll show he's, up at some point. Yeah, he's checking on puppy, but but um, and until then, Ben, there oh, there he is. There he is. My puppy. How's the puppy? <laughs> What's up? She just was um lonely, which is not really true because my wife didn't work today, but um, ten minutes by herself, and she's like, "Where you at?" So I had to sell him here. <laughs> Now she's good. Yeah, I understand. Well, like Ben's dogs come in and say hello in the same manner. Nina comes and quietly bumps my knee with her cold, wet nose in the middle of the yeah. show. I don't know so, like just letting me know she's there. But when you get ben. a MacArthur Award, when do you find out? They release the list, but like, how long before that do you know? This part is complicated because um, I've, I've told a lot of people that um, I found out when they found out, which frankly isn't true at all. <laughs> but, um, but it's nice because, you know, everybody's like, I can't believe you ain't tell me. 
Um, but they they tell you, uh, you know, a week or so before, you know, you know, know a bit before, you know, long enough before to know if you're going to be like, like, can you not test if, can you, can you keep a secret? And, and I think it know, becomes like a crucial question. And so do you know, um, like you're famously not supposed to know that you're under consideration, but I have. Uh, I'll just disclose this. I have personally alerted people that they are under consideration because, you know, like people ask me for my assessment of somebody and I like immediately call them and say, hey, the MacArthur Committee just called me and asked me for my assessment of you. Um, Like, did anybody give you a heads up from like whoever they were? Why would he say that? He can't say that. I feel like. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, you know, why would he narc on his people? Like, that is but like no, a terrible I, actually, thing. But no, I actually think I actually think that like, because I've done that too. They've asked me to write about people, but it's been a really strange situation because I've never been asked to write about a poet, and I've been asked to write about people a few times, and so, so it's a weird thing when when you ask it, it's like six degrees of separation. You think, man, when they ask me to write about somebody, maybe maybe they ask somebody to write about me. And then you're like, how come ain't nobody told me that they asked them to write about me? How come they, you know, how come somebody didn't say, well, your last book was okay, but if you did a little bit better next time, you know, when these people ask me to write about you, I might have something thoughtful to say. So I think that the people, so it's interesting because I don't know, you know, like they didn't ask me to write about poets, even though poets are one who I've known, right? And, and you know, contemporary writer. They've asked me to write about some people who won, some people didn't win, whatever. Um, a lot of lawyers and stuff though you know and so it's kind of interesting because i don't even know who they asked to write about me and i don't know if the person they asked like i don't know how i fit into into that idea to work so i mean i think that there's like i think it's great like i just want to say that like i think it's kind of lovely that you don't know that you're up for consideration i think that you get to just i think it's great that like and as far as I know, that you were tweeting about Puppy, <laughs> like alongside everything else that you were doing, and you continue to tweet about Puppy, uh, alongside everything else that you're doing, while like while knowing that you're up for this. I mean, I'm sure you curb yourself or change yourself a little bit, but like, oh I no, I legit didn't know. No, 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 I legit didn't know I was up for it. Like nobody told. Like no, I'd know that if somebody would have told me this year then I think I would have been just like perseverating over it. And the other thing about it is I do think that maybe the reason why I've never told anybody is because I don't want them to, it feels weird because then they're like, well, what did you say about me? And it's your fault I didn't get it. You know, so I think (laughs) when they called me, they was like, uh, I'm telling you, man, they called me like the police. Well, they called me like, um, they called me like the mafia. I don't know. It was like, um, are you, first of all, everybody says that they don't talk to the police and everybody does. And this is what I realized, like people just do what other people say because humans as a species are like really, really trusting, you know? And I think that's how we survive. But I also think that it's just, it's kind of like oxymoronic in a, in a, in a way. Cause they called me and they said, are you alone? And my first response should have been unknown phone number. Are you alone? I like literally would run? freak out. Like you know? I'm like, <laughs> I have, look, gotten, I, I have been offered the MacArthur grant like 15 different times, but it got flagged as potential spam. <laughs> and so they never got in touch with me. No, 
<laughs> so then I said, I, then I said, but look, I say, I say, uh, yeah, I'm alone. And they said, um, is anybody in the house with you? It's like, that's some extra shit. You know, I'm already <laughs> alone. And my, my house ain't even big. I'm like, I'm already alone. And I said, uh, I said, well, my, my son's out here, you know? And they was like, can you close? And they was like, where are you? <laughs> they did, did they ask what you were wearing? <laughs> right. And they said, will you close your door? Mind you, per cell phone technology, nobody could hear what the people on the other side are saying to me. You know? <laughs> I was like, but listen, I'm like, sure, I closed the door. And they're like, we're calling to tell you. And 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 then it, the voice gets like low. We're calling to tell you, you want to make Arthur Grant. <laughs> I just started laughing. I was like, and it was like, I'm laughing. Well, now I'm just that you laughing. told me how the phone call starts, I'm going to do that to Ben every other Thursday. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not going to work because I. I okay. know well, that Scott's I not will never I'm get. I'm gonna do it to Scott. Should yeah, we should actually... do it to Scott. This okay. So hold on, Dwayne. Actually, so... I think it's cool though. Somebody in the chat said it's irresponsible to do it the way. I actually think you know. No, it's kind of I mean, cool. Even, and, and it's so funny because even even if the, like, and I know other people. They actually, other people tell their story, and since they asked so many people in print, where were you? I think it's like a known thing. But even though it's a known thing. Like this, nobody cares about that shit. So everybody who's listening to this will forget a year from now. And they'll be like, that's how they told you? And they'll forget that I told you that's how they told me. Or if somebody that's listening gets it, because, you know, being on a show leads to this kind of thing. So if, if another guest gets it, they would have completely forgot that they heard me tell this story. It's just like if somebody's on this show and they and they in a bathroom in Martha's Vineyard and an old dude comes in and says, well, you cut my hair. They won't, they won't remember me. And then, then they found out it's Bobby Brown's father's hair. He just goes to the bathroom in Martha's Vineyard, you know, once I, or something. I gotta say, I promise you, if I am ever in a bathroom in Martha's Vineyard and Bobby Brown's father comes in and asks me to cut his hair, I will know it is a setup by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, there, there are a lot of things you can fool me with, but that one isn't one of them. I think that that's correct. I mean, like, so I think that what's funny also to me is just that there is this idea that uh, you're right, that like, oh, actually, you want to know, this is actually funny. Uh, just reminded me, there was this time when I was <clears throat> in college, and I, I don't know if you have ever told you this, Dwayne, but I used to be a huge, huge baseball nerd and like fan, like huge, like wrote a daily, like wrote a weekly column in my, in the Brown Daily Herald about like baseball and uh the red sox and i was interviewing for a job with theo epstein uh as an intern for the red sox for like the summer and i was so excited and i told everyone that i was doing this and one of like my guy friends left me a voicemail message i'll never forget it like on my flip phone was like hey this is theo epstein I'm calling, sorry, he's the manager of the Red Sox. That's why this was a big deal at the time. Uh, and he was like, this is Theo Epstein. Thank you, I'm but calling. I knew who Theo Epstein was. I yeah, didn't. Well, ben didn't. I, I could was tell joking. I didn't. <laughs> 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 it was, that wasn't for I was you, like, did he play? I was like, what did he do? I actually was like, oh, damn, that's the dude that wrote Moneyball. <laughs> no, no, that's Michael I, Lewis. Actually, but know, close, but close. No, Theo Epstein read Moneyball 
and then used it to make a multi-million dollar like to make a multi like multi multi-million dollar franchise a multi 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 multi-million dollar franchise in world i, I world think the most winner. important thing is he did it to win a world series and break the curse but but i i love that you think that the money is the most important thing of course that's why i mean like okay well also that breaks the curse there was like there was that i mean wow aren't you the romantic but anyways especially <laughs> about the red Sox, which is like which is like a very non-romantic team is like a black american to be like romantic this about fool, this fool pitched with a bloody sock i'm just i'm just saying it's a lot Schilling? of are pitch? you fucking yeah. kidding me it wasn't pedro it was you talk about baseball i know that but you talk about baseball sucked. He went on to like campaign for Trump. I I understand, but the thing, but Kurt Schilling is one of those things that make you realize that like, that like people have to be more than the worst shit that they do, even if the worst. He has odious political opinions, but yo, he pitched with a bloody sock. And I know right now people in Phoenix. Ben has no idea what's going on. I'm following the because I I actually uh, know who Kurt Schilling is, and I you know. Uh, he, was a, he was at the time a pitcher for the Red Sox. Past I his know. prime, they shot him full of cortisoid. It bled onto his sock. They zoomed in on it while he was relief pitching. It like it was in the 2004 series when they won the World Series, and it became this legend. Was it 2004? It was 2004. It might have been 2003, but it was. I'm pretty sure it was 2004. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I'm pretty sure it was like up. 2011. Was it two? <laughs> No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It was yes, not it was. 2011. I just want I to say, when Kurt Schilling goes to Trump and rallies and shit, no one shouts at him, shut up and pitch. That's oh, true. really? Wait, who doesn't yell at that Kurt Schilling? Nobody yells at Kurt like, Schilling, gonna... shut up and pitch. Ben, I was... ben did not, but, 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 See, that's, that's wisdom the, from somebody the, who's not into I'm completely right, by the way. It the was the 2004 game six of the ALCS. For real? It was. It was, it was. Maybe they showed baseball in prison, Dwayne. But like, there's like... <laughs> I'm so mad. I just tried to tell you when that happened. And and man, how do I even know about this? If I because he was, prison? it was actually even more specific. This was pre-Trump, and she I remember that he was pro George Bush, and it was the Kerry election. It was Kerry versus Bush. So all right. Like so Harry. here's so here's what I want to know. Um. How does the MacArthur Award, the serious, this is actually a serious question, affect your books in prison project? Yeah. You know, in, in a real way, I had a, um, I had a funders briefing. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm a, you know, right after. No, of course and, you um, have a funders briefing. Yeah. But, but, but the thing is that I, it was already planned. And, and, you know, the project is like, it's like, how do you fit this project into, into your landscape of things of value, and it's and it's even re- really easier to fit a, a project that's around changing policy. It's easier to communicate why that matters. I think it's harder to communicate why this matters. And I already had a funders briefing plan, and and winning the MacArthur and being able to discuss the project in in the context of the MacArthur, I think meant people had to take it seriously in a different way. And it's not that people weren't already taking it seriously, but it is that, and I'm asking for thirty million dollars. I'm going to be clear, right? Just in case somebody listening has a spare $30 million that they want to give me. <laughs> but, but then if you say, well, how does that math work out? But it's roughly $25,000 per Freedom Library. And the Freedom Library isn't just the books. The books themselves cost like $8,500. It's, it's just 500 books 
but that's the the cost of books and even when you factor in a discount you're still talking about five six thousand dollars for the books but then the structures are these like beautiful handmade bookshelves and you say well why make it beautiful why make it handmade i mean one of the reasons is that there really isn't much um, of beauty in prison but the other reason is that you got to make it so that it'll last you know most of us have bookshelves that can necessarily be cheap because they aren't going into secure institutions and, and you don't have the same security risk but the other part of it is part of the project is to also create a fellows program where we'll hire people who are formerly incarcerated to build the bookshelves and to work with trained woodworkers and to learn this this craft right and also because it takes so long to build them even if they sell it to us at cost and at materials, they don't have the time within their own business plan to just focus on something like this. So we're going to be engaging with, right now we engage with three fabricators. I um, mean, ultimately by the time it's said and done, we probably engage with 20, 30 fabricators. And part of the story is to make people more aware of what it means to, to be in prison, um, have more of a hand in, in, in understanding what prison looks like and transforming it. And they're modular. And, and you could, once you destroy the prison, you could take the bookshelves out before you destroy it. I had one in my office, but I, I, I took it um, on the road. And so now um, my, my, um, my stage manager has it, but, but it is really beautiful though. And, and like you could turn it and the books are on both sides and it, it really does transform a space. And so um, when to make author meant that I could have this conversation about a, a project like this and they say, well, what is $30 million? And I say, well, and first of all, you know, it's like 3,800, um, state prisons and juvenile detention centers in this country. We're talking about building a thousand freedom libraries. If you put one freedom library in every prison, all you're doing is creating the same kind of inequity that already exists because libraries are typically uh, located outside of the housing unit right now because of COVID people haven't been in the house outside of the housing unit. And since COVID began, no schools, no programming, no visits. So we, we were building these on the housing units at first anyway, because there's already so many competing um, interests in your time. And because of the library space, you only have 20 or so people there at a time. So a prison with 800 people, it's just not a real chance for everybody to go there and actually browse the stacks. And I'm going to tell you a story that sounds like some bullshit later. But the point is that um, we're building these on the housing units. So the $30 million allows us to build like a thousand freedom libraries. And then you say, well, isn't that enough? I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket. You know, 1,000 a, a freedom libraries, when you talk about 3,800 prisons, and you know you can't just put one freedom library in every prison because it's roughly between six and 10 housing units in every prison, and you want to put them on the housing units, 1,000 freedom libraries covers like 250 prisons. And and so, and, and then when you think about it as a national project, $30 million is, is really nothing. You know, $30 million ends up being $100,000 or so, you know, per prison, four prisons per state. And that's how you get to 250. But, but what McArthur meant is when I went into the room that had this conversation, hmm. you know, I could have this conversation and not really feel like, um, and, and, and feel more aggressively right about the significance of the project and, and, and about what the project is aiming to do. Um, so. Yeah, so, I mean, go ahead then. Sorry, go ahead, Kate. Um, I was just gonna say that like, I think that there is something to what you're saying, which is like, if you, and I think this is like the big, like maybe the bigger thing that like people don't understand about the MacArthur, that's not just like, it is a giant pile of money, but when you're trying to raise a lot more money, what it is is a grant of kind of legitimacy that some really serious folks trust you or no, you're disagreeing. Yeah. 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 But no, I'm going to say the MacArthur is a giant pile of money, but I don't want to, 
I owe three hundred thousand dollars in student loans. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I understand. Wanna, like, I want to, yeah. you know, and and I haven't had a job. This the the the, the money from Mellon gave me a job that yep. provides me health insurance, and that's the first time I had a job with health insurance since my first year out of prison. So I I, I think, you know, we think about it, it is a lot of money, but in some sense, it's just like having a job for five years, and 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 being allowed to do some things that I want to do. And I'm not trying to like diminish the amount of money it is, but I, I, I do feel like I always need to remind people that I owe $300,000 in student loans and that the education was valuable and it was important and it was the only way that got me to the point that I could even imagine doing this work. But we should be real about what the cost of education in America is and what the cost of an elite education in America for somebody that has kids and, and no trust fund and no family support. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I take it the most important value of the MacArthur grant, not to you, but to the project, is just that it gets you a whole lot of uh, reputational backing and cachet. And it's, you know, it's the MacArthur Foundation saying, hey, this guy and his work is is super legit and and you know is one of the things we want to single out this year that's got to open doors right yeah and and i think it's it's a nod that you know, even you know, like yale law school i mean everybody even you guys you know if you're like let's just do it give him a scholarship for it, you know what i mean or or, or is he give him an opportunity to do x y and z or in in lieu of fun why is he talking he's been on here for three times why is he up here you know like like i think one of the things that MacArthur does is help legitimize the decisions that a bunch of people made before the MacArthur happened. And, and you know, in some contexts, it's like, oh, it didn't matter. It and, you know, if a, you hadn't gotten yeah. it, we would have, like, really questioned our decision to have you on. I, I know. It's I like we were, we were sitting there and Kate was saying, you know, I'd love to have Dwayne back on, but, you know, he doesn't have any real external validation from the MacArthur <laughs> Foundation. And then, yeah, then I mean, the award came in that, and it was you know. fine. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. But like, but Dwayne makes a great point. I think that this is like, and I think it's wonderful. Like, I just like, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that's right. It's not just like, it's your decision about making about where you spend your time and like who you like talking to and who you think that it's like worth talking to the conversations that are worth happening. And I have to be honest, like, and Ben, you have to feel this way too. There's so many opportunities to waste your time once you get to like a certain point and like so many and i'm availing myself of every single one of them <laughs> yeah yeah one and by so one I'm, i've got a list and i'm <laughs> checking up like I've, I've learned to play video games i never did that before i'm i'm just i'm 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 going down that list one by one but like i really, I, do I, I really like, don't understand yeah. how you just learned how to play video games recently don't ask. What's that? It involves Oculus. Don't, don't ask. Don't. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, it's a long story. It's a, you'd think I was like doing where's the lie. Yeah. Oculus but, is a legit hustle. We used it three times and then it's been collecting dust. No, dude, <laughs> that is like every toy that you ever buy for your kid. Like most toys. I mean, yeah, like literally the only reason that puppies don't gather dust because they move around too fast. So like there and, is and like. They demand, they demand. And they attention. demand that you pay. Like if an Oculus barked at you every 10 minutes, you would like play it more. Trust me. So like, I mean, but that being said, I think that there is. Uh, I. uh I think that this is like a great point. I'm just, I think that, I think it is great. I think that like you've made, 
you've made a lot of great decisions. It's fantastic. And like, can I ask selfishly, like I know you've done like the million book project and like all of the, and like that you're focusing on that and have been focusing on that. But like, like let's, can we talk about like your writing and like, does like you have been, so you're a contributing editor at the New York times on their poetry, um, their poetry section. And I don't know what that pays. And you wrote a book. Of poetry. <laughs> I know that's well. I didn't want to say that, but you, well, thank you. No, it, pays, <laughs> it, pays, it, pays, it pays, you know, it's like a couple hundred dollars. It's fun though. It's more of a, um, the poetry thing yeah. is more of a labor of love. And it's, it's kind of nice. Cause like, you know, you get to, I get to introduce people to poems every week. That's, that's pretty yeah. cool. And like, but I was kind of like, I know, then that's a kind of great. And like, but I love that. And so like, what do you are, but like, are you going to start writing? Um, I got a solo show. Do you show. think this will I give you the room? A little I, bit? I write all the time. I write all the time. I, I got a solo show that's going to be um, on Broadway one day. It's definitely going to be off Broadway, I think. I, I don't know if I can say definitely, but. Um, there's only, there's um, only on and off Broadway. So it's got to be true. one of them. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's actually true. Well, I know. I did it. You know, it's funny. I, I, I'm doing it at like I'm doing it at um, University of Notre Dame in November. And this is just like warm up because I've never really memorized anything in my life um, before this. But it's an 80 minute show, and um, and it's kind of interesting, you know. And it's the out, and then the show serves as as the outline for my next memoir because the show is like I did I did the solo show because. Because a lot of people don't read poetry and they sort of be like, they think that they don't get it. And I think the reason why they think they don't get it is like the vacuum in which they hear it in, you know, and it's like you got to give them a different a different set. And when you got to pick up a book and read from a book, a person doesn't really this thing is different. And so I was like, what if I create a solo show that's built around the poems and also has these stories in it? It has an arc and sort of tells a story and it's about me mostly, you know. And, um, and so I did that and, and that's writing. And I think I had to craft that and I spent about, that's what I did during the pandemic. And um, and it was it was actually cool. I remember the first, I've been doing it on Zoom. So I just did it at, at um, I, I gave a Loeb lecture and and I gave it as a, as a um, I gave him an excerpt of, of my show as the Loeb lecture, but I also included the the um, one of the modules in the Freedom Library and, and I showed it to him and, I, and that's a part of the stage. And then in the Q and A, you know, I, I showed it to him and it was kind of interesting because because all of those things sort of connect. Um, and then I'm working on another memoir. And then I'm working on this piece about prosecutors that I'm trying to sort of write, but I, it's it's like interesting because well, I got to find the time to second? write it. Like when you put together, do you like, I'm curious, like when you're putting together the show for Notre Dame, you're off, off, off on Broadway show. Um, I'm not mocking you. I'm just mocking like this is off, off, off and on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, this, this is, is off, like off New Haven. Broadway. This is like New Haven. This is like, or no, like, no, New I Haven. Think... No, man, New Haven is a, a vibrant, dope, artistic. I, like, I know it city. actually would be pretty cool if you like launched it in New Haven. But I was just gonna say that, like, but my bigger question is like, like you have a lot of intuition about public speaking, and you have like, uh, you have like obviously great stories. But like I asked you last time when you told Where's the Lie, like if you had a if you had a background in like like doing the moth or other types of things, are there like how are you like how are you prepping for this? Or are you just going to prep it? Like, who are you running it by? Like, I don't really know how to produce a show. I'm just genuinely asking if I was like, if you were going to like kind of come up with a thing that threaded a bunch of your poems together. So what I did, 
So what I did was um I did a show and I saw my first sort of like like reading of the whole thing. It was horrible back then too. It was like 90 minutes long. It was super bloated. I read it. I, I did it on Zoom to um like Elizabeth Alex. I'm now it's gonna feel like I'm name dropping, so I'm gonna stop. But it was a bunch of people who watched it who were supportive of some of my work in the past. And then also it was um it was this woman named Jane Cox who runs the um the Lewis Center at Princeton, and she's a great lighting designer. And it was some people who at the Yale rep here in New Haven. And um, and Jane was like, yo, this is great. Yo, you should come down to Princeton and, and workshop it for the summer. I was like, I don't even know what that means. So I came down to Princeton and we and she did all the lights for the show, right? The light. You're muted, Ben. In Princeton, did you cut anybody's hair in the bathroom? I, I know. No, they they was COVID, man. They didn't even they, they I, I had to have a special badge to like get into the building. But but we did it there. I spent the week there. It was it was glorious in a way. You know, I was like from 10 to 6 p.m. every day. I'm on my feet, going over lines, thinking about we, we had a set, elaborate set design. Uh, and they got a theater with like 40 foot walls. It was it was great. And then like the CBS up and then what happened is some people came and they videotaped us doing it. And then I did the whole thing. I did the whole thing on um on Saturday morning. Um, and so and so, yeah, that's what it looks like. And then and then you move from there to to other spaces since I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an actor, you know? So I moved to other spaces It's primarily, um, going to like, I'm gonna get my chops by, um, taking it to prisons and, and doing a tour of 60 prisons across 20 States and letting them see it as a kind of first audience. I was supposed to be on Thursday. I was supposed to be in Virginia doing it in a prison in Virginia, but COVID they had a COVID outbreak. And so they had to cancel, they had to cancel the visitation. They were supposed to open up visits this weekend, this past weekend, today, they're supposed to open up visits. And I was supposed to be on Thursday, but they had to shut all of that down because of a COVID outbreak. But so the point is that I'm, I'm going to do it in prisons first to sort of build up my chops, get good. And then I'll do it. I got a few spots that I'm going to do it here, here in Yale. And then uh, and then we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens. But Do you want um, to do it on in lieu of fun? It, I would do it for you guys. You know, I'd do, <laughs> I'd do an excerpt for you guys. We could I mean, do actually, it. We could this do is it. My society. Society. I think we, we could do yeah. a rare uh one where we actually charge for entry and we could do it as a fundraiser for the uh for, uh, for the oh, project I'm, yeah, I'm 100 percent down with it. like this is my so this is my set and 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 i won't talk too much about like what this this was created by a japanese artist though named kyoko ebay but and it's um it's prison paper um with with her artistic style she she like floats different things into the paper um but I won't even talk too much about it since we're going to do it here as a fundraiser. I, I mean, I, I think that people will love it. And, I, and it all started on Zoom. I, I use a different camera that's better. But what's fascinating for me is like, you know, between when I started doing it on Zoom and today I got five friends out of prison. And, and part of that is the story that, that is told through through the show, you know. So tell us about the five friends out of prison. That's a kind of big day. Yeah, I've seen you, but have you've been like announcing these kind of like on Twitter, kind of low key, and I think that they're not so low key. It's, I mean, well, one of my guys. So basically, what happened is, um, you know, I had a friend who, when I was in law school, he wrote me a letter, and he was like, you know, that basically it was like Shawshank Redemption, where where you meet the person who did the crime, and he tells me, and the guy wrote the affidavit saying he did it. I still couldn't get anybody to represent him. But then a uh, journalist, and this is why journalism is important. A journalist wrote a long form piece about 4,000 words about the case. And he did more details and he had more than just the affidavit, you know, he had facts. And so then 
the lawyer took the case, but still nothing was moving. Phil Habe after Habe after Habe. And, um, and, and, you know, this sounds like some bullshit, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm in here and we working on this show and I had a line in the show that says, I told them fools, um, it don't matter. Ain't nothing to resurrect after prison. And it was a line in the play after telling my friend's story. And I was like, that's bullshit. And I told my director, I was like, yo, I don't even like that. Like, I feel like I'm predicting that he's gonna die in prison. And uh, and what happened is one of the last trips I took in February before the pandemic was to go to UVA and, and give a keynote speech there, but also to meet the chair of the parole board and talk about two of my friends. And so I said this on the phone, on, on a call in June of 2019. And um, on July 4th, you know, I get a phone on July 3rd, I get a phone call from somebody that, that was um, involved with the parole board. And it was like, yo, he got his pardon. He came home the next day. And so it's kind of interesting, you know, like that, that I was like, y'all don't like how this, 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 this story is coming out in my play. I'm going to change it. And then, you know, he gets a pardon. And then the other friend that I was representing, I was representing him on parole. He got a pardon. Another guy I was representing got a pardon. And then on September 14th, somebody else I know who I represented on parole got a pardon. But then you know, all that is great. But then like two days ago, somebody I represented last week, last Thursday, I got the phone call and he got parole denied. And, and it's fucked up because, you know, this guy. He, Are these all in Virginia? He's all in Virginia. Yeah. And what happened was so in, in Virginia, they got rid of parole in, in like 1994 and they just brought parole back. So these guys had 30, 40 years, never expected to get out. Um, and then they brought parole back for people who got locked up as juveniles. And most of my guys got locked up as juveniles. And so. Um, so yeah, so one of the guys, I, I, one guy got a pardon, one I represented, he got out on September 14th and then two others, they was under the old law. They did more than 25 years and they both got out on parole. Um, and then, you know, the guy that I just represented though, you know, I mean, he had a hard life, man. He had a brain tumor and like flatline doing surgery and they brought him back and I represented him and, and they denied him parole. And they were like, you know, you haven't done programs or some shit like that. And I was like, Dude, he had 95 years. They weren't giving him access to any programs. I mean, I think that we should all just be happy that he was able to do his time expecting to die in prison and never hurt anybody. You know what I mean? I'm like, at what point? I think it's good enough. If, if you do 20 years in prison and you don't hurt anybody, despite expecting to die in prison, and you nearly die in prison from, from I think, I was like, I think it's good enough. And so it's... um. So anyway, that's that's you know, but that's like the work that I've been doing adjacent to like the solo show and the Freedom Reads. Uh, but in some ways, you know, like the solo show and Freedom Reads made it more pressing to do that work. And that's some of the stuff I talk about, you know, in the show. And um, and a few people like when you say a few people seen it, you know, I've done excerpts of it in a lot of different places. But in terms of seeing the whole show, you know, you just got a handful of people who've seen the whole show. And I think it's you know. I mean, I'm biased, but I actually think it's pretty fantastic. You know, the whole thing runs like, I guess, like 80 minutes. But I could do an excerpt. I could do the whole thing. It's whatever. It's whatever the audience. If if, if we want to no, do, do it, the whole thing, we'll we'll uh, oh. we'll we'll uh, we'll set it up as a fundraiser, and uh, yeah, and we'll we'll this audience will promote the shit out of it, and uh, and we'll we'll have some fun and raise some money. Cool. All right, we're gonna rock this joint. It's good too. I mean, you know, I, I've been saying it's good. Now I'm like, oh shit, they gonna see it. It better be good. <laughs> yeah, this is what this is the power of deadlines, Dwayne. 
and we'll get You're the like, MacArthur oh, Foundation to tweet it, you know, and yeah, yeah, and, and, will... and then everybody who wants a MacArthur grant will. <laughs> we'll right. sign up because they're gonna think you're gonna give them the the secret. Yeah, and so here's so because we got that I didn't even know this shit exists. That's the here's other how great you, thing. Here's that, how you do it. But the other great thing about the MacArthur joint is that, like, I feel like it could be a lot of pressure on what you do afterwards. But like, I already been working on this, and and I've been working on it enough where like I memorized eighty minutes worth of material, and so I feel like it's kind of perfect because I. It's, it's, I'm too. I'm, I'm in the middle of Freedom Reads. I'm in the middle of the solo show, and so I'm not having a, a like an artistic or intellectual crisis, wondering if I'm worthy. I'm, I'm I'm dealing with anxiety about wondering if I could accomplish the shit I'm already doing. So much so that like I just like I just take the MacArthur thing as like okay, cool. This should like help some of this other work, but I don't I don't question myself because I'm just you know too too anxious about this other shit to question myself. I just want to say, Mateo, in the in the audience, I don't think OnlyFans is the right platform for, for this material. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I like I love Can we the thought. Stop but... engaging the children in like this. Like, I feel like we're going to end up into another conversation about feet, and I don't want that conversation to happen. I know you do, Ben, but like no, no, I do I'm, not. I'm, want, like, I'm not going there. Um, all right. So, so wait, can I can I actually ask? one of the things that i've always found really interesting is like i like i think that like people whenever there's some type of grant of i don't know how many people understand how much money well like as you said it's not that much money comparatively but like how what like the money that is associated with these awards have you gotten just like completely i'm always just curious have you gotten like hit up by like just like strangers yeah. in your inbox or has it been like okay i was walking down the street with my puppy right and, I, and I'm on the phone because sometimes I talk to friends while I walk puppy. And uh, somebody I know, said, most, yes. I said, oh, those friends. congratulations on that grant you got. And my man was like, who was that? I was like, oh, it's just my neighbor. And then somebody was like, hey, Dwayne, congratulations, I heard. And he was like, yo, you safe out there? <laughs> like, 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 why, why all these people congratulate you, you know? It was like, uh, and so it was kind of funny because it was like, it, it was like, you know, I could have where I grew up at. I didn't know what this shit was before. It's interesting. I think certain fields, you know, like so writers, even though it's not a lot of poets who get it or whatever, it's always like one every other year or something. So you kind of, you kind of know that it exists because it's like people that you know because the poetry world is really small. I told my mom, and my mom was like, "Boy, why are you always lying?" <laughs> yeah, I told her how much money it was, and she was like, "This is." She was like, I love you, but stop. This is just like a bridge too far. And I was like, nah, look it up. And she was like, don't tell anybody how much money this is. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you know, but I think um, I, I actually still think like, like my folks, they not going, I'm not going, they not going to watch the show. You know what I mean? And it just is what it is. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you deal with the way in which you got like interest and passions and obsessions that sort of differ from, from people you love? And, and I was trying to tell my, my mom was like, you know, my mom was telling me, she was like, you know, I mean, people think you're strange. And she wasn't saying it in a bad way, but she was just like, who cares about a class action lawsuit? You know what I mean? She was just like, you talk about I had been pentameter at the cookout. It's not, it's not, you know, making people, in, you know, want to talk to you. And so the space of things I love that overlap with this audience doesn't necessarily overlap with my kin. And so they don't even, they probably ain't even, you know, 
They didn't even read the Washington Post that was like, you know, 25 people won, and then they skipped like 25 people. Shit, I don't know one of them. You know, they didn't even read the story, you know? So I haven't had that issue. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's something to be said for, um, yeah, I get that. Like, I just like people just don't understand. Like, plenty of people don't know what a MacArthur Award is. Um, it is kind of a thing like that is. Haven't you also won a Guggenheim? Please. You, you're trying to get me robbed out here. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Never mind. This is his first nah. major award. You don't understand. There's a very. Have you ever watched A Christmas Story? Yeah, yeah. You talking about the screws? You know, the, like this. No, no. No. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yes. That is a Christmas story. What is the one about the, why am I asking Ben? Like he knows cause he's Jewish. Um, what is the one? No, there is like a, the one with the family in the Midwest that is like, Oh yeah. Yeah. When it's like, um, it was like, you're going to shoot your eye out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I watched that. So there is like, I've been seen that. It's, it's, it's yeah. what they call it a Christmas tale. Yes. A Christmas. Uh, yeah. It is a Christmas story. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Everybody's seen it. Yeah, yeah, and because they play it on repeat on TNT for like all of like all of Christmas. That but movie's anyways, been out since the seventies. No, it really hasn't. It's from the nineties, but it like basically like makes it look like Ralphie. It's yeah, he put his yeah, tongue Ralphie. on a pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid. So, but like my point is like there's this like we I mean so like I feel like this is your major award moment, except it's much more attractive than like uh like a lamp like <laughs> that a lamp of a lady's leg. <laughs> you gotta take it back like, to only fans. Yeah, exactly. It's a major award for GLA. It's like, sorry, it's like it says fragile, fragile. Was, like, so, so ben, have you seen? Have you seen the movie? Ben. So the, the father gets this major award, right? It's and he's not always a major award. about it, right? And it becomes a, a woman's leg. Like, it's from not like, becomes the award is the a award woman's is leg in, in fishnet stockings. That's fish all it is, yeah. with like it, a big, like gaudy, like lampshade with and, like and, and, the, and the wife hated the joint you know what i mean and um she broke it yeah and she broke it yeah. so, all right anyways yeah so this is the joke but like he won't turn it off but it's so sexy that the entire neighborhood he puts in the front window because it's his major <laughs> award and the entire neighborhood it's like a foot fetish thing ben we always come back to this see and, like, you keep coming back I to know, it and then saying that i'm coming back to it i haven't mentioned a foot today classic Classic misdirection. You mentioned Rick Ganell. That's like the same thing. But there's like, but there's a, I was just going to say the Sony's. Must, yo, yeah. this, but there's this, like, this but though, everyone. This is like, as a poet though, this is the what? thing, like as a poet, you think about how can you make an illusion that like matters to like the contemporary moment. And like, that's an illusion that you can see that like everybody in the chat We call that like, a meme here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Mr. Wattenbarger. Hello. Hi, friend. Oh, there we are. No, you're, Hello. You're, you're totally fine. Uh, please Hello. ask your question. I will ask my question. Uh, Dwayne, this is kind of a, uh, it's a kind of a Terry Gross-like question. I don't know if I should apologize for that or not. But anyway, uh, maybe that's a good thing. Um, so when you were released from prison, uh, you know, you could have watched it fade into the distance in your rearview mirror. Um, but but you haven't. And um, so I'm curious, what is the experience like for you now when you visit prison? And is it is it ever routine or is it something that okay, so you just never say. get used to? So this is funny. You would think you I'm, people would think you planted this question. But um, two points. One, I don't I don't know. Some people do watch it 
fade. They they let it fade into the distance. But I wonder about the the kind of psychic, the kind of thing that they could do to block it off. It's like a sort of a trauma that like you sort of block off and put in a room inside your brain and decide not to talk about it. And I guess I I could have done that, but I entered into college and all of these spaces, like most of the spaces in the country consistently ask you about it, whether you're trying to get a job, whether you're trying to get into college, um, it's part of your past. It was like eight years. How do I talk to the woman or, or the man, whoever I'm trying to date? Like, how do I talk to them about my past? It's, it's sort of like, I don't know if it was actually possible to block it off. So that's the first point. But the second point is um, some of the stuff I've done has been has been choice. And, and But it's interesting. I was just in a prison to visit somebody. I was visiting John Lennon because um, I'm, I'm helping him with his clemency petition. And I'm John J. Lennon is a writer. He's locked up in upstate New York. And it's wow, because it's the first time that I have been, I go to see him, and it's the first time that I've been inside a prison um, to visit somebody in a while. You know, I've been in a lot of prisons, and, and going as a guest is very different from going to visit somebody. Because, yeah, even when you go as a guest, they, they, you got people escorting you, and, 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 and they like, yo, this dude, this, who is that? And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, that's who I am. You know, you kind of got that feel of not being diminished by walking through the door. But when you go to visit somebody, you first you know that you could get denied, and and you're constantly thinking like, can I have cash? Can I have a credit card? Um, where am I going to put my phone? And so so you go through already slightly diminished. You walk through the metal detectors, but this shit is crazy. I go to the prison to see him, and once I get through the first gate and I'm walking on the pathway to the next set of doors, I walk past two rhododendrons and they're blossoming and they're fuchsia, and it fucks me up because I did eight and a half years in prison and I never saw a flower. And I, and, and I realized that the people who locked up, although this beauty is right outside of the prison gates, they'll never see it because this is the door that they'll only walk through if they're going home. Go in the visiting room, go in, in, in the locked um, small room. I talked to John and he didn't understand, you know. I mean, he was saying some shit that kind of fucked me up because he was like, but Dwayne, you don't get it. Like, I hate when people tell me that I don't get shit, first of all, right? But he's like, you don't get it because like, like you done made it. And I'm in here... And I feel like I'm publishing at some of the places that's the height of what you want to do as a journalist. He's publishing in the New York Times Magazine and Esquire. Like he's kind of doing his thing in the Washington Post. He don't want a National Magazine Award. He like people look at me like I ain't shit every day, you know. And, and so, so that's one thing that I'm, 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 I'm cognizant of. But then he leaves, and I leave out, and I gotta wait for escort. Fuck you, mean I gotta wait for escort? I want to leave now. And I can't complain. I can't. I just got to wait for somebody to come. And then I start listening to other people's conversation. And I can't help it. I'm, I'm smelling the popcorn. I'm smelling like the cheeseburgers and everything that you smell in the visiting room. I'm just reminded of what it meant to go see somebody. And this dude is writing a poem out. Well, actually, he's writing. And I'm like, why the fuck are you writing when it's somebody in front of you? Why are you not talking to your loved one? And then he was like, how do you spell the word sacred? Which fucked me up. Because how do you spell the word sacred in prison? You know, and she tells him, and then like a minute or two later, he spits this poem to her. And she's like, oh, you like Langston Hughes. <laughs> and I'm smiling because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then she's like, James Baldwin or something. And they talking. And she's like, you know, I got into literature when I was in college, Russian literature and Japanese literature. I'm like, what? She like Tolstoy. And, and they're talking books. And, um, and then they talk about like, like they talk about doing things together to sort of build a bond. You know, they'd be like, we should have a movie night. A movie night. She's like, yeah, you know, we watch the same movie and then we talk about it. 
And I was thinking about Asha Bandele's um, The Prisoner's Wife and how I read it when I was in prison in solitary confinement. And it made me think that like this woman that loved me would love me a little bit more, you know what I mean? I sent the shit to her, like, you gotta read this. Shit did not work out. She did not propose to me. She did not accept my wedding proposal or none of that shit, but whatever. And then, and then it was like, and we should start a book club and we read the same books and she was running off books. And she was like, Tolstoy and War and Peace and Anna Karenina. And she was like, you know, I like to read stuff that's different from where I am. And I was like, ain't none of that shit different from where you are, you know? And then Noah fucks me up. And she said, um, he says, uh, yeah, I want to pick the book. And she said, well, how are you going to find a book? Because they've been on lockdown, basically, for the past two years. And and, and our library is hard to get to. And I immediately thought, you know, if it was a freedom library there, he would have left that visiting room and went and picked up Warren. He would have went and picked up, like, Crime and Punishment. He would have went and picked up, he would have went and asked persons working in the library, yo, y'all got the Russians here? And the dude would have been like, yeah, we got Chekhov, we got Tolstoy, you know, we got Anna Karenina, what you need? And then he'd be like, well, I got this 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 lady, man, and we got this book club we trying to start, what should I use? And he would have picked up a book. Um, but what I was reminded of, and this was just last Friday, what I was reminded of is like, the worst part about prison is, is you lose control over everything. And shit is crazy. I had somebody who drove me up there. And so after the visit was over, I told him to pick me up at three. I, I got out at like 2.45 and he wasn't there. And I was like, damn, where's his car? And like 10 minutes passed. And I was like, where's the motherfucker at? I ain't had my phone, I ain't had my keys. I was like, damn, he just left me here. I'm looking around, it's just like, it's in the middle of nowhere. And anyway, after about 25 minutes, I, I asked the CEO, I was like, yo, y'all got a phone in there? He's like, we got a pay phone. And I was like, fuck is you gonna do with a pay phone? <laughs> I happen to have some quarters. Y'all know pay phones cost a dollar now. I go in there, I, I put a dollar and I call my wife. She look at the number like, who the fuck is this? Don't answer the phone. I call immediately back and she was like, oh, this must be somebody, you know, and she answers. And I'm like, oh, and I guess I sounded stressed. And my son was like, you all right? And in my head, I'm like, I'm fucking trapped in prison. My ride is gone. I had to go into prison for help. Like, what does this look like? You know, and then um, and then she called the dude on three. And he's like, oh, I'm right in the parking lot. I'll come get you. And he called me Mr. Betts. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, he must don't hear the anxiety in my voice. And so to answer your question, it's, um, it's a mix of a lot of things. It's a mix of like, I, I, I after the, the other night I put on, on Twitter, I was like, what language do you dream in? And, you know, I dream in the language of prisons. Jesus Christ, Dwayne. That, that was more of an answer than you yeah, were. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Great answer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Richard. It's a great Welcome, question. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I wonder this, like you said that you got like a weird phone call from someone being like, are you alone? Are you whatever? Like if you've had a little bit of trauma in your voice or you've had some type of loss, like a weird phone call is very like like i don't I'm know probably, like i'm just like i'm probably right? playing i'm probably playing the weirdness of that phone call up a little bit too much i mean i thought it was like publishers clearing out you know what I mean? like like you know it's like you, you ever heard somebody that's they got good news for you and you could tell that it's like dated anticipation like it didn't sound like a get out phone okay, call. It sounded okay. like okay thank you that helps yeah. a little bit because i was like, like i was like wouldn't you be a little scared? Like I would yeah, just be a little like, freaked, but like maybe and everybody listens to everybody listens to the police. I mean, not everybody, but I think that like our willingness to obey exceeds our that's all grifters. All grifters succeed because of 
the general willingness to obey that people have. I mean, that's why that's why grifters succeed at such a high rate. Maybe like, well, really, why do you keep getting emails from like whatever country where someone's like, I've lost my purse? It's because it's just like a real willingness for people to believe the most ridiculous. I got a phone call from somebody the other day saying, we're sorry, but uh, uh, a contraband has been seized off the coast of Maine and it's apparently been shipped by you. And I was like, are you serious? You know, and I just hang up. But it's like, they I grifters these, are going to grift. Could- I have been getting the, sorry, yes, you're correct, not to make this, to minimize that, but like, you're right, there are always going to be grifters. I have been getting a series, I don't know what it is, it must be something like coordinated, but like the same message from different numbers that is like, there is an FBI warrant out for your arrest. If you do not, there is, yeah, maybe, Uh, but like, they're like, I'm like, the FBI would not be fucking calling my phone and leaving a message in this generic voice if this was. So I was, I was involved. Uh, in the in the inadvertently in the back end of a weird ass grift. Um, so a, a few this is a few years ago now. Um, I get a text me- or a, a Facebook message from a, a an elderly woman who says, "You don't know me, and if you're really in love with my sister." then I'll back off and I apologize, but I just have this feeling that it's not really you. Um, and she tells me- Don't, doesn't that, that just like beg for you to explain that it no. isn't really you? Like that's yeah, uh, like- it, it was, hey, look, it actually was, it sounds like such a compelling opening line that I'm yeah. like, I wanna know what happens next. <laughs> yeah, so what happened was she, um, she explained to me that somebody with claiming to be me, who had a Facebook profile, uh, was, uh, uh, her sister was, you know, was courting her sister, basically. And he was always flying off to Afghanistan to do, uh, you know, important things for the country. And he was, uh, and she just had this feeling that it wasn't really me. And she sent me this mock Benjamin Wittes Facebook profile uh, and some emails from an account that purported to be me. And there was a like a LinkedIn profile. Um, and it was all, it, it's a it's a form of elder care abuse. It turns out it's like a really widespread form huge. of grift. Yes. Um, yeah. Where it's people- It's always like older people because they're also very lonely. And so they yeah. get very excited to engage with someone or think that someone cares about them and wants to engage with them. It is tragic. I actually like, sorry, I like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off then, but like, it's like, it's, I actually have very strong feelings, but I feel the same way about like really pervasive spam and pop-ups that like infiltrate your like elderly people's computers because they just do not have the savvy to like know how to click them off. And like, this, this this woman had just lost her husband uh, like six months ago. She was like, you know, really vulnerable. And somebody was, you know, he hadn't yet asked her for money, but it was clear like, like that's where it was going. And so I thanked this woman and I, who we've stayed connected on Facebook ever since. I, I actually, she, I actually like her quite a bit. And I think it was pretty spunky of her to write to a total stranger just on that suspicion. And I flagged it for Facebook and, you know, Facebook's got its problems, but the site was down in, in 
40 minutes and Twitter took down a profile. Like everybody, all the, all the platforms behaved perfectly well. So I, I, I was kind of like, it was a weird incident, but. Yeah, totally. I'm glad Dwayne, that, what's I'm, next I, for you? Um, the solo show here. It's called Felon in American Washington. And that's, that's what. When do you want to do it? Yeah. Um, is yeah, that like so is that like literal is that like I mean when you plan your days like is that what you're focusing on right now it's a combination of things I meet with my director every day so it's like nine and ten I work on the show I try to do some rehearsing um like I'm doing it at Notre Dame and so from four to five it was a call with Notre Dame to think about how to lay it out I just did a, a, a section of it at um at like some some high school in New York last Friday so imagine you know I left prison and then I went to this fanciest high school and it's like if me and John would have went to a fancy as high school as children, we wouldn't have ended up in prison. And we might not have ended up writers at the level we are, you know, but we probably wouldn't have ended up in prison. And it was just this weird juxtaposition. I got there really like resenting all of the fucking kids, you know, like, but you can't, you know, it's like these kids, it ain't they fucking fault that they got. And my kid go to a fancy ass school too, you know, and I go to the school and um, it was the Millbrook school. And, and the kids were great. And they reminded me that kids are sort of just kids. And I, you know, kicked it with them for a bit. And I did a portion of the show. And, and like, young people remind you, though, like, you know, how if you catch them off guard, they, they'd be earnest in ways that you don't really expect. But anyway, nah, the, the show is part, talking to wardens. I mean, I just got an email from the warden of Angola. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And he cool as shit. Like, I mean, in a, in a way, like, I'm not, you know, whatever. Prisons are prisons. But to be on a call with the warden of Angola and to have him understand that, like, architectural design software and spend 20 minutes helping to design a library in his space. And we're like, I, I'm like, why, why the fuck is everybody going to act like this is normal? Let me ask a question. Yo, how you know how to do that? Oh, my dad was an architect. And, and you realize that like all of these spaces contain people who have so much or something sometimes in themselves that get like subdued and, 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 and downpressed because of the, the environment. But anyway, Day to day, I'm spending a lot of time trying to coordinate, talking to wardens, talking to fabricators. Um, Mass Design has been great partners. I spend a lot of time on the phone with them. And really with this whole army of people who 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 largely have been working as like volunteers who just love the idea of, of like changing the landscape of prison. That um That is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's so great. We'll schedule you in for something. I mean, if we can help. I mean, it is live and it is real, but like there 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 is a large intermediary between the your the, the the dream that you had last night and the level of privacy you have for that and your language of dreaming and the uh the privacy that you have by like going on stage in notre dame and i feel like in lieu of fun fits somewhere in there uh in terms of like the level of privacy yeah. and publicity and like it's not like going on it's not it's not off broadway it's not off off it's definitely not on broadway but yeah Ben's, it's Ben's. trans Broadway. Yeah. It's uh, like, yes, yeah. for real. And, and you know the cool thing about it, I'll have a better camera. I'll have lights that work. And and what's nice though is that um, it's the whole idea of poetry. How do you make poetry matter? I don't know if the if the people who watch them who are in front of poets. I know they're really educated. I know they're smart. I know they've seen Christmas Story. But it's a real challenge for me as a as a, like a performer to be like, yo, do you give a fuck about this? And I think that's what theater does. That sometimes audiences that audiences that come to poetry love poetry. When you do theater, you could get anybody in the room. And I think this, I take this as a challenge. I, I think the piece is dope. But now I get I get to show it to y'all. And, and, and y'all tell me, like, yo, that was cool. Or, you know what? 
Uh, just stick to the poems that you, you know, stick to building libraries. <laughs> No, no. So we will get that scheduled. Let's schedule it a few week in weeks in advance yeah, yeah, so yeah, we definitely. have time to promote it and stuff. Definitely. Um, but uh, let's let's get that on the calendar and let's make it happen. Um, KK. We be, well, we had Britton Heller for tomorrow, who was one who has went to Yale Law School with Dwayne and I a few years before us, but she had to move to next week. So we will be back with an unknown guest tomorrow. Uh, and that will be exactly 23 hours from now. Uh, and until then, we're not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to be in the presence of genius. <laughs> Thank you All for right. coming on, friend. It's so great to see you. And I will yeah, thanks, you thanks for sticking with us now that you're all fancy. Nah, yeah. man, I love y'all. Y'all never say you've been in the presence of a felon. You know what I mean? Some people. <laughs> I fucking say that. I'm like, but, but then I just seem like a white woman. I'm just like running around, but like, ah, like, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to. Bye. <laughs> Bye.